The year is 1964. Beatlemania sweeps the nation as the Fab Four perform on the Ed Sullivan Show in February, followed by their first tour in the U.S. The Anchor Bar in Buffalo, New York, famously deep fries a chicken wing, calling it a buffalo wing. And a British spy chills out on a horse farm in Kentucky to try and stop a villain from destroying the U.S. gold supply. Cue the music, Johnny. GameZillaMedia.com It's time for the last action podcast! Pop quiz, hot shot! Hey, motherfucker. I feel the need for need for speed. It beats. We can kill it. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Come with me if you want to live. Welcome, everybody, to the Last Action Podcast. I am the Sphinx, and if I'm James Bond, he's my Felix Slider. Who do we got over there? LPJ. And we do have a special guest with us today. I'm going to call him our Q-Branch. It's Craig WK. There we go. Do we have a hell of an episode for you today? LPJ, why are you giving me this frowny face? We're not a morning zoo crew. I'm, I'm moving on. I <laughs> love Bond. We've got Goldfinger today. It's a really good movie. It is a really good movie. It is amazing. You know, that gun barrel opening gets me every time. Every single time. I know that people like that love Star Wars. Like, as soon as that bang comes out, and then you got the whole... <laughs> the what? You know, the dang comes out. Wait, what was that first noise again? <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, when, and then, you know, the words start scrolling. Like, that gets those people geared up. When I hear that... Oh, I get so excited. I love it so much. I can tell. The dust just moved. Right? You know, LPJ, you had your big episode <laughs> a few times ago with RoboCop. Today, today is mine, man. This is the did quintess- you just rub your chest? I did a little bit. I did a little bit. I, this is how excited I am. This is how excited I am. The movie really brings out the uh, excited in Sphinx. It, clearly. His nipples are poking through his shirt right a, now. A little bit. A little bit. This is the quintessential Bond movie, and I have an even bolder statement that I'm going to make a little bit later on this episode. But let's go ahead mm. and get started with like what, what impact this movie had on us. So... A, are we talking this particular movie or James Bond in general? You know, I'm going to let you kind of go a little... You can go either way on this, because I'm going to kind of do both as well. So why don't we talk about our first experience with James, with James Bond then? Okay. I mean, we're going to do other James Bond films, but we can definitely... This is our first one, you know, first time doing Bond. We can do it now. Let's do it. Okay. Thank you for the permission. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, you can, I'm really excited. <laughs> really? I gotta, I gotta You're foaming at the mouth. I, I am. You're foaming at the mouth right, <laughs> right now. All right. I'm, I'm done. Okay. Take it. So I... Remember watching James Bond? They used to show it on ABC all the time. This is a long time ago, you know, <clears throat> early '80s, middle '80s, uh, the '80s. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> the '80s. Okay. So we would watch it. My dad would would watch it on uh, on ABC, and I would catch certain episodes of it. The first, there are certain certain um, certain films. The the first one I saw was Thunderball. 
Oh, it's a pretty good first uh, mm-hmm. Bond movie. Yeah, that was the very first one I saw, and I never actually ended up seeing it all the way through when it was on TV. Mm-hmm. I would rent them later on. My friend Joe and I would always rent two Bond films. We had the summer where it was a summer vacation, and we would you know spend the night at each other's house mm-hmm. like once a week and alternate back and forth. And we would always go and rent two James Bond movies. And we happened to rent Goldfinger. And I think we also rented Thunderball that time as well. Um, Solid lineup. Mm-hmm. It well, was good. And they're back-to-back in the order of things, too. Oh, so. Yeah, and, and we didn't even realize that. Like, we had, you know, we were eight, nine years old. We had no concept of what order they went in. We mm-hmm. just knew that they were James Bond films, and there were quite a few of them. And they were all at the, movie, all at the video store. And we, we rented two, and... Goldfinger was one of the ones, and, and I believe Thunderball was the other, and we watched Gold, Goldfinger for the first time all the way through, and um, and I remember liking it quite a bit then. Um, I like it as much, if not more, now, especially seeing the back catalog of James Bond, you know, going back and seeing all, I've seen them all at this point, mm-hmm. and, I, and I really appreciate what this one is in, in context of all the other ones. Greg, what do you got? I... Back in the, uh, it would have been the late 90s, when GoldenEye 64 came out, GoldenEye 007 on the Nintendo 64 came out, me and my buddy Andy fell in love with James Bond. We became fanatics around that time. And uh, uh, coincidentally, if you'd like to know more of my thoughts on that matter, you can check out The Legend of Retro, where we oh, cover... Oh, that was a quick plug already. We're only cover. two minutes into the episode. <clears throat> oh, don't you worry. There's more to come. <laughs> but uh, uh, back in the day, we would do the exact same thing. Only better, because we rented four Bond movies. Oh, I see how it is. <laughs> nice. So, the first time we rented uh, a batch of movies, and my buddy Andy, who I watch these movies with all the time, it's my best friend when I was a kid, growing up, and even today, I... Uh, we would uh, uh, rent a bunch of movies, and he has a really, really good memory, much stronger memory than I have. So I had asked him, you know, what movies we rented, and he let me know. Uh, Tomorrow Never Dies, uh, The Man with the Golden Gun, Moonraker, <laughs> and Goldfinger. It's a, it's a solid. It's a is solid it solid? Choices. Well, is it solid? Listen, because the- it's not. There is Goldfinger was good. <laughs> The other's not as good. But, even, for, but for your age, those are solid movies right, because yeah, they're enough. more kiddie. No, but even the worst Bond film is still a great watch. Yeah. Oh, I still enjoy the 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 less than stellar, we'll say, Bond movies. The ones that are maybe haven't aged as well. Maybe they have mm-hmm. a few flaws. Oh, they they all look. To be honest, they all have flaws. Well, we'll we'll get into that. Yeah. But uh, but no, the uh, the. The three movies we saw were all but Goldfinger. My buddy Andy sadly did not see that one. We, by the time he, like, you know, because he'd spent the night, we watched, like, maybe, like, two the night before, one the next morning, and then he left. I ended up watching Goldfinger at my grandparents' later when, you know, he wasn't around. And coincidentally, I saw the best of the bunch. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I... I apologize, Andy, that I abandoned you to Moonraker. Did, did your grandparents watch it with you? Because I'm sure they, I mean. Honestly, I kind of zoned out of everything else and was just really <laughs> just focused on uh, James. It was me and James at the time. Nice. nice. I find your story very interesting because a lot of the people, um, a lot of people that I find who are younger than me, mm-hmm. I'm obviously older than both of you by a fair amount, 
a lot of the people that are, that are younger than me, their gateway to James Bond was the GoldenEye video game, mm-hmm. specifically. And, uh, and, and, and that game, I think that game did more for a film franchise than any game in history. It probably did, With, without honestly. Question. It's, yeah. it's far more important a video game than I think people even realize. Well, and it's at a time in the history of the series that it needed something like that. Because between, because Dalton, Timothy Dalton's last movie is Licensed to Kill in 89, and then Goldeneye is the next movie six years later. There's never been a bigger gap than then. Um, It was a really, really large gap there. Do you guys know what happened? Why there's such a huge gap? I used to. I I don't remember It had a lot Mm -hmm. to do with there was a lawsuit um, that was pending. Was it the Thunderball lawsuit? It was a Thunderball lawsuit. It was still going on. <laughs> That's how we got Never Say Never again. Sure exactly. is. And that was even <laughs> was in the so early bad. 80s. Mm-hmm. It was the and worst. That's why, and so now we're talking 1990s and it's and still it going on. And honestly, it didn't get resolved until two years before Spectre came out. Wow. Crazy. And that's why they were able to use Blofeld and the name Spectre again is because the lawsuit finally got settled. But within that time frame, they had a movie they were going to do that involved, uh, they thought they had the rights all wrapped up, and and then it involved uh, Blofeld and Spectre, and then something resurfaced, and they had to cut. They had to they had to cut bait with whatever movie they were filming, and by the time they finally got around Mm -hmm. to going to film again, uh, Timothy Dalton had to bow out, and they went with um, Pierce Brosnan. So that's why you ended up with Pierce Brosnan. That's why you ended up with that long gap in between films, all because of this one lawsuit from Thunderball, you know, decades earlier. And then all we got out of that was a poor man's Thunderball. Never say never again. Yes, you did. (laughs) I don't don't even include that as technically a Bond film. It's not. You know what? I don't dislike that movie at all. Uh, Really? I don't. Connery Connery looks bad. Bad. He's he looks terrible. uninterested. <laughs> no, he like, looks he's terrible. He's like, why am I doing this goddamn movie? Oh, I need some money. I'll do it. <laughs> totally. No, he. You know what he did it. He did it as a big fuck you to uh, Cubby Broccoli. Oh, of course he did because they hate each other. Which we'll have a little <laughs> quick conversation about that later. Yes, we will. So oh. for me, mm-hmm. um, yeah. very similar. Um, the Goldeneye video game was was huge on me, but I actually saw this film at the Quivatis with my uncle and my two brothers. The Quavadas? Really? At the Quavadas. They did a showing of this? Yes. Now that's a name I've not heard in a long time. Uh, for our listeners who are unfamiliar, lay it on them. What is the Quavadas? The Quavadas was this fancy looking movie theater in Westland, Michigan. The outside was very ornate. No, it wasn't the very ornate. It was, was very bit, modern. Well, no, it looked kind of, from what built. I remember... Well, how long? When was it built? In the 70s. It was 70s modern. Oh, I would have thought it was way older than that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fair enough. Oh. And so that's my first experience with Bond. Mm-hmm. But then, you know, you mentioned LPJ ABC used to show the movies. I remember TBS used to oh, do yeah. nights of 007. Yeah. And it would go on for like two or three weeks. And it, I think it was usually in the spring that mm-hmm. they would do it. And usually it was every night they'd have back-to-back Bond movies, and on the weekends, like the entire weekend, would be all Bond. So when I first turned it on, and I was like, oh, this is James Bond. You know, I remember when I saw Goldeneye. Um, I was in like sixth grade, so it was a couple of years later. And uh, it was the end of Goldfinger that I was watching. Mm-hmm. And then once Goldfinger ended, it was Dr. No. Mm-hmm. And then, like, I was hooked. It was the TBS Bondathon. TBS Bondathon. I I distinctly remember a time I went to my buddy Andy's and we were like leaving for somewhere and the TV in his room. He turned to TBS and then turned it off and I was like, 
what are you, what are you doing? And he was like, oh, the, the Bondathon is on later and we're not going to be here. And I was like, yeah, but like, you're not going to be here to watch it. Why did you turn the channel to that? He's like, it needs the ratings. <laughs> and then we left. He purposely turned it to I, TBS I don't to think make that's sure how it that ratings. works. I, probably not. <laughs> that is not how it works. <laughs> Probably not. In, in, in all honesty, he was probably prepping it for when he like like swooped in like to go to bed at like you know like two three in the morning or yeah. whatever. But regardless, I distinctly remember him saying that as we uh, laughed. That's you know who funny. shows them all now is uh, BBC America. They, they do. do their own Bondathon. Oh, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I mean, I have them all on well, yeah, VHS I mean. and DVD and, <laughs> right, and Blu-ray. So, did you buy the Blu-ray box set? You did? The 50th anniversary? Yeah. Is it, That's is it great? awesome. It is awesome. I have oh. a bunch of the DVDs, but I don't have the Blu-ray box set. There's honestly not much of a difference. Because <laughs> oh, okay. the original DVD box set had so many awesome you know, extras in there. that they. Just There's re- a documentary for each one. Yeah. They just, they just you know, recycled it with the Blu-ray one. Oh. So when it comes out on 4K, I'll be on that too, regardless. <laughs> so... It sounds like we have very, very fond first memories of, of James Bond here. Um, let's kind of get into the, uh, the bread and butter of this film, shall we? So I got for our director, we've got Guy Hamilton. This is his first uh, directorial job in a Bond movie. He did a couple other Bond movies as well. He did Diamonds Are Forever, Live and Let Die, and The Man with the Golden Gun. He actually turns down Dr. No. So he had a chance to do the first Bond movie and decided not to. Oh. Yeah, which I don't, I couldn't find out why that was. Maybe he just thought like, oh, this will never catch on, and then was the biggest idiot ever. Could have been. I mean, he did land, I don't know, the other three like weren't great Bond movies either. So I mean, Gold, I mean, they just, they don't match right. Like Goldfinger is such a classic. And then, like, Diamonds Are Forever, That's, <laughs> that might be my least favorite Bond. You know, I, I, I wouldn't say it's my least favorite Bond movie, but it's not an especially good one. No, it is not. Um, and The well, Man with the Golden Gun. Live and Let Die is good. Live and Let Die is great. And, and I like The Man with the Golden Gun. I, Man with the Golden Gun is a fun movie. It it's is fun. That, I'm just gonna I leave it. It is fun. Yeah. I appreciate that you're that you're sugarcoating it as much as possible. It's a fun movie. I mean, when you got a third nipple as a, as a prop, you know, it, it's got to be got to be fun, right? It's got to be good. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, believe it or not, um, he turned down 1989's Batman as well, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. Really? Yeah. So, There's a lot of people that turned that down. Yeah, his picking huh. and choosing was interesting. Maybe he just wasn't want one that wanted to engage in like a risky movie and played it safe. You know, by this point with Goldfinger, Bond had two movies in. He feels more comfortable with what's going to happen there. He, he all, one of the last movies he directed was in 1985, Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins. It's kind of a cult classic action movie, and believe it or not, I've gotten a request for us to cover this movie. Really? I have. Oh, well, that should be fun. Yeah, so I think- Have I, you seen it? No, I haven't oh, seen okay. it. I, yeah, I've never I will, heard no, of it. No, that's not yeah, true. I mean, I've seen parts of it. Okay. It's weird. Starting, I think it's, uh, oh, not Fred Willard. Um, I can't think of his name now. I can't think of his name, but it's, it's, uh, it's like a cult classic action movie. Hmm. All right. Uh, production for this movie is the famous team of Harry Saltzman and Albert Cubby Broccoli. Um, these two have a huge history. There's a fantastic documentary if you're a big fan of James Bond out there. I'm going to imagine most of you have seen it, but if you haven't, I highly recommend it. It's called Everything or Nothing. came out about 10 years ago, maybe a couple years less than that. Um, and Everything or Nothing, E-O-N, is Eon Productions, which is you know what this company is. Um, that Saltzman and Broccoli do. Um, 
as the story's told here, Saltzman was first introduced to Bond by reading Goldfinger. So Ian Fleming writes these Bond movies, or mm-hmm. writes these Bond uh, books, novels, in the 1950s. And Goldfinger was actually one of his last ones. It was written in 1959. And so he reads it in 1961. He's hooked with it. He's like, oh, man, this is going to be a great Bond movie. He starts to research into getting the rights for James Bond to put it on film. And he finds out that Cubby Broccoli already has these rights. So a meeting gets arranged between the two of them. And from there, like, the magic happens. The two decide that they're going to work together on bringing James Bond uh, to the silver screen. And the rest is kind of history as they we a, have it here. They had a big falling out, though, right? Um, because at one point Saltzman leaves, and it's just it's just Cubby Broccoli. He, he does, and Barbara Broccoli. Yeah, he does leave. Um, he kind of comes back a little bit as well. Hmm. You know, I w- I would say that these two producers are a perfect example of producers that step way over bounds when it comes to the role that they should have in movies, and like the directors really get taken over by these two like they're just they're giants they're giant men to begin with like even their size and stature but they're just giants in what they do as well so whether it was actors whether it was every little detail to these bond movies like it had to be exactly up to the two of them with what they wanted to see and i know that production people that's what they're supposed to do but i feel like this is really one of the Mm -hmm. first times we really see a team super super deep into making sure this movie is exactly how they want it and i guess that makes sense considering how um I mean, realistically, they have the same group of producers, production designers, and directors throughout the entire series. You see them repeat people over and over again. I mean, look at John Barry, who did the music. John Barry's done the music for almost every single Bond film, with the exception of... Until he dies. Until he dies, yeah. He basically does it until he's dead. Uh, And and the Bond music is so good, too. It is good. And... um, the, even the even uh, was it Richard Maybaum who does the openings or no yeah. who does who is the writer he's the writer Maybaum's Maybaum the writer he writes most of them and then the guy that did the opening why can't they give his name now uh, it's um, oh my god Norman um, Monty Norman he did the theme song not the theme song I mean the, the actual comic. opening um, the opening like montage. But, oh the gun barrel no not the gun barrel. I don't know like what when you're the song about. plays and they have the girls dancing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't know what think of his about. name now. Um, I don't remember his name either. I'll find it. Give me okay. a minute. I will say, I, uh, uh, I can kind of understand where the director was coming from falling for uh, Bond through the books. I never read Goldfinger, but I read Casino Royale, and it was a really good book. I really uh, had a lot of fun reading that one. It was a good one. Yeah, I, I had it on here. I wanted to ask. Have any? So it sounds like you've read Casino I read the Royale. first book. Yep. LPJ, have you read any? I have not. I've read two. I read um, From Russia With Love. And I did that because I had read somewhere that that was JFK's favorite book. Really? So, yeah. and, it, and it is a f- fabulous book. Um, and then the other one I read was Live and Let Die, which I think those two were his second and third. I don't know how I missed Casino Royale. Oh, yeah. I know that's the first book he wrote. Yeah, Casino Royale was really good. It's, uh, uh, it's, they did a very good job with the uh, Daniel Craig movie. Okay. You I know, actually looked it up, too. It's 99 cents on, uh, on Amazon. So oh, I think worth I might, it. Yeah, I think yeah. I'm going to read it. Uh, for a buck? Heck yeah. yeah. Well, might as well. It was Ken Adams. That's who I was thinking of. Okay. Gotcha. He, uh-huh. he did things like he, Ken Adams was the one who picked the, the DB5. He picked out um, most, of the, most of the iconic things that you see in James Bond were picked up by Ken Adams. Gotcha. Uh-huh. So Saltzman and Broccoli, they produced the first nine Bond movies together. And then as LPJ mentioned, they do branch out. Uh, Cubby does 19 total and four as a solo producer. And there's another thing that I think is really important remembering about these Bond movies in the beginning. They're coming out every single year. 
there was when a th- lot. Yes. Right? When you think about like movies today and how much time it takes to get a film done, to imagine that you have to make and put out a movie every single year it is crazy. Because if you see at the end of the credits, it says what the next movie is going to be because they're already filming for the next movie. James and Bond that, will return yeah. in, insert the movie. And not only that, these were the event movie Absolutely. of the year. Like the, the, the they were designed to well, not Goldfinger only Goldfinger starts that. Goldfinger does start that. But they're designed to not only be an event movie, but a travelogue to show people to showcase people to showcase to people what the rest of the world looks like. Because there's no there's really no international presence. There's really no there's really no view as to what the rest of the world looks like because you know, there's no real international TV, there's no cable, there's no mm-hmm. internet. So no one knows necessarily what the Bahamas the Bahamas look like until they go to the Bahamas. They don't know what you know London looks like unless they go to London. These movies were a travelogue for people to experience the rest of the world. And I honestly like you nailed it. I think this is a reason why I love traveling personally. Is growing up and watching these Bond movies. Like I wanted to go and visit these places, mm-hmm. and I I love traveling. And and I always think of like oh. Bond was here. Oh, Bond was there. <laughs> I, I was just talking to uh, to Chops a little bit ago. There, there's another great James Bond podcast. The guy um, went to where they filmed Honor Majesty's Secret Service in Switzerland, and it's still all decked out in the Bond. Uh, oh, that's cool. In the way that it was done in Bond, and like the toilet, like the bathroom that they designed has like crazy like Bond sayings when you're using the bathroom, and it's got like video <laughs> clips in it. It's got a museum with like legit like props and stuff from the movie. Oh, man. Like, I'm not the only one, but it's like I, I need to go to Switzerland now. I got yeah. I got check this place. Yeah, out. it's the the James Bonding podcast. Yes. We're we're allowed to mention it. It's oh, okay. okay. I, yeah. I didn't know the James Bonding podcast. <laughs> it's a very good podcast. Been going for about four or five years now. It's fantastic. Our writer for this film is Richard uh, Maybaum. Uh, he's an American, which is interesting, too, because Broccoli is American and Saltzman is Canadian. So this is a British spy movie series, and it's it's Americans and a Canadian that's mm. kind of running everything here. Um, Mal- uh, Maybaum has writing credit for 13 Bond movies. 13 of them. Wow, that's quite a lot. And I didn't know that until I was doing my research here on Goldfinger. Like, I knew he had done a few. 13 is a ton. Yeah, that's a bunch. It's, it's half the series. And uh, he actually considered himself uh, the Walter Mitty of James Bond because he finds himself a pretty mild and boring guy, but he's got a wild imagination, which, mm. I mean, you think of all the, the crazy, awesome Bond things you know, that happen throughout the films. Yeah. I think it makes perfect sense there. Um, Paul Dean actually helped him in writing Goldfinger here. Uh, and Paul Dean actually has an Oscar for Seven Days to Noon. Have you guys ever Never heard watched of it? it? Never heard of it either. I've but. heard of it, but I, I've never seen it. But Dean is probably more famous, and he did five of the Planet of the Apes movies. So, hmm. Yeah, that's fame right there. Well, I mean, I, I don't love the Planet of the Apes movies, but nonetheless, a lot of people did. So, And he did a lot of other spy movies in the 60s, too. Uh, and then we've got our music here. So we can start with the title theme, Goldfinger, which is from... Shirley uh, Bassey. Yep, Shirley Bassey. She did a bunch of the Bond themes. She did, and three, that is three my of them, I that is my little quiz here for LPJ. Pop quiz, hot shot. Mm-hmm. So LPJ, she did Goldfinger. Do you remember the other two songs? Diamonds are forever. Yep. And Thunderball. Thunderbolt was Tom Jones. Yes, it was. Oh, that's right. Yeah. a great song. <laughs> so he strikes. <laughs> Craig, do you know the other one? Let's see. Uh, 
she also did, let's see, not from Russia with Love, that's Matt Monroe, yep. uh, Thunderball's Tom Jones. Uh, oh, uh, no, because uh, You Only Live Twice is uh, Nancy, Nancy Sinatra. Sinatra. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, who's the... Wrong Bond. Oh, it's a different Bond entirely. Well, let's see. Uh, George Lazenby was uh, Louis, uh, uh, Louis yeah. Armstrong, uh, so it would have had to be uh, been Roger Moore, right? Mm-hmm. Which Roger Moore film? Not Live and Let Die. Uh Oh, shoot. I'm drawing a blank. It's uh, not the spy who loved me. It's Moonraker. Oh, is it, it is Moonraker. It is Moonraker. Moonraker. Not. That is not correct how Moonraker went. But that's totally how it went, right? <laughs> it sounds about that's, right. That's how I remember it. Might have made it better. It, it's a very slow song, Moonraker is. It's not very Oh, good. sorry. Then it's Moonraker. I. I, I really do enjoy uh, the song Moonraker. It's 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 not a very good Bond movie, but it's a really cool song. I really like Shirley Bassey. I <sighs> forgot that she did that. I I do too. I, she's still alive. Oh, she, good on a, her. A, a few years ago, um, she was at the Oscars. She sang Goldfinger for mm-hmm. the 50th anniversary. They were uh, and she sounded fantastic. Oh, that's she's like awesome. 80 something years old. She was on the short she standing ovation. She was on the short list of uh, people they wanted to uh, do one of the new Bond songs. She's, oh man, she still has such a strong, powerful, like Aretha Franklin-like voice. Yeah, you know, which good. is you she know, I think good. Adele, you know, who did Skyfall, is is really close to that. So let's let's get a listen here to uh, Goldfinger. keep going with the entire song but I I, I don't want to so I appreciate the uh the lyrics the man with the Midas touch that's pretty great right right it's a very well written song it, it was uh John Barry wrote it too right he did not write the lyrics but he wrote the song oh, okay two other people whose names escape me actually wrote the lyrics and and John Barry does all the music um you know not to dig too far down the rabbit hole here so John Barry does, I think it was 17 or 18, I got to hear, 12 Bond movies he does the music for. And he, as we mentioned earlier, Monty Norman is credited with actually writing the Bond theme. But John Barry tried to take credit for it back in the early 2000s. And actually, they had to go to court really? on this. Yes. Oh, that's awkward. So they had to go to court. And uh, the English court or whatever, they did rule in favor of Monty Norman. But when you really think about it, like if he's doing 12 of these Bond movies, he is incorporating that theme 
mm-hmm. in, into all those movies because oh, you, yeah. you always know when the da 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 comes into a scene or uh-huh. whatever. I feel like it should go to him. But nonetheless, it was just figured out like back in 2000, uh, I think 2006, the final ruling ended up happening there that they did give it to Monty Norman. Officially legal documents, he composed it. It is hmm. his song. But, but this is truly a gem. And the soundtrack throughout the film is, is absolutely fantastic. It's got a nice little jazzy um, tone to it. The action scenes are perfect and how the orchestra, the brass is coming in there for all of that. I really appreciate the, uh, it, it almost has this weird like broken glass quality when Ajab is around. Mm-hmm. It's real creepy. I really like it. Yeah, they got like the chimes going for yeah. it and all that. Yeah, I do love it without a doubt. So, you know, it's also rumored here that uh, one of the session musicians for the Goldfinger soundtrack was Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin. Pop quiz, hotshot! I have a pop quiz for the two of you. Oh. In the back of my mind, this popped. So, did you know the James Bond theme was inspired by a different song? Do you have any idea? What it was inspired by? Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I don't know. Uh, I I have no idea. So we're talking like 1960s, 1950s, I'm guessing. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. It's inspired by a song mm-hmm. called Good Sign, Bad Sign, and it's from a musical, an Indian musical. Interesting. Yep. Really? Mm-hmm. I don't think I knew this. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, yeah, right there. That should be it. You can definitely hear it. I was born with this unlucky sneeze. And what is worse, I came into the world the wrong way round. Pundits all agreed that I'm the reason why my father fell into the village pond and drowned. This is why Monty Norman is credited with the song. I was born under a bad sign. So he wrote this? Um, he must have, right? Otherwise, he would be sued. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to be. Wow. That's really interesting. Ne- I've never heard that. Good work, LPJ. For, for the record, uh, I, I kind of, like, as soon as the show is over, I'm going home and listening to that because <laughs> that's actually really great. Isn't that cool? I have to say as well, the Bond theme, I would say it is the most famous movie theme of all time with the exception of Star Wars. Would you agree with that? It's got to be, right? What else? Indiana, what else could Indiana Jones or Jaws? Those are both. I, I mean, those are both recognizable. But are they more recognizable than the Bond theme? That's and I, I'm around the world have an probably answer. not. Right. I mean, you're talking 24 movies. Indiana Jones was three in the 80s, a shitty one in the 2000s. <laughs> He's and not I mean, wrong. Right. And 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 even that, like Indiana Jones was was based off of James Bond. Like Spielberg and Lucas wanted to do a James Bond like action movie, and they went with Indiana Jones. So even in of itself. You've got that. Yeah. Fit I know I can I can buy that. Yeah. I it's gotta be, right? I, I I mean we'll never know for sure, but I, I would say it's probably about the most recognizable. I would say Star Wars is probably number one. Yeah. I'd say James Bond is is right up there though. The the Goldfinger album itself was a huge success too. Uh actually it went gold. Come on now. It had to, right? It had to. So it, it, it goes number one in 1964, which is impressive in and all itself, too, because 64, as I mentioned in the, in the beginning, you got the Beatles 
like coming right out of everything. And and this soundtrack was number one. So they even make a Beatles awesome. reference in the movie. They sure do, and not a good one for them <laughs> it's either. Yeah. So awkward of a line. But anyway, well, yeah, absolutely. Uh, our cast. So we've got it's Sean Connery, right? He is our our Bond here. This is his third time as James Bond, Doctor oh, yeah, No, yeah. and from Russia with Love are done before. I think it's his best job as Bond, um, without a doubt. So he did six movies. Um, those last couple, he he's not a fan. the 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 rise of of James Bond really gets to him, and you can feel kind of that energy get sucked out of him in those later movies. Um, you know, in the beginning, I think he's still trying to figure out what is this role of James Bond and Dr. No from Rush With Love, and I think it just hits the target perfectly here with Goldfinger. Mm-hmm. I could I could kind of see that. I, I think that around Goldfinger and Thunderball is when he's probably about his best mm-hmm. during that, the, uh, that era. And I think the reason for that is I think he probably would have hit his peak in From Russia With Love, but From Russia With Love is such a contained movie compared to this. It's all basically on the train. And and very it's very closed off. Whereas this is very a very large in scope movie. Mm-hmm. There, there's, there's limitations in From Russia with Love for exactly. what he can do. Mm-hmm. And this one's so wide, you know, spread and where he's going and whatnot. And I would say as well, you know, Bond is so serious in those first two movies, Doctor No and From Russia with Love. And Craig takes that on too um, when he does Casino Royale and Quantum of Solace. And I then, do. And <laughs> yes, exactly, <laughs> Daniel Craig. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, well, can't, I, s- I can't believe you're wearing a tuxedo right now, which is crazy. <laughs> it's kind of warm in here. Well, I named him Q Branch. You don't have any like <laughs> fancy gadgets on you right now, do Not you? Not that I'm willing to divulge. Okay. Well, You'll see him later. Because <laughs> he's going to kill you. Oh, well, yes. I wanted him to specify. He can't kill Bond, though. No one can. You know, Bond does die several times in the films, but he mm-hmm. comes back to life every time. Anyway. <laughs> I'm sorry. I got a soft track. Please keep it on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean. <laughs> Connery is huge. You know, at, at this point, like, he becomes a sex symbol. He is just everywhere, and he does not like that spotlight at all. Mm-mm. That is not Connery's thing. So it's it's interesting that, that Goldfinger kind of gives them everything that, that the franchise wanted out of it and making all those people so much money. Oh, it was a huge success. <laughs> huge success. But then with that comes all of that attention, and mm-hmm. Connery was not a fan of that at all. You've got Gert Frobe, who is Auric Goldfinger, our our villain here. I, I actually have a fair bit to say about Auric Goldfinger. Right. Uh, so the uh, the guy playing uh, uh, Goldfinger, as you said, was uh, Gert Frobe. Uh, he was uh, considered for his role uh, due to a movie he was in called S. Gershach am Hellesten Tag which translates to uh, It Happened in Broad Daylight, a film about a detective, and this guy did not play the, Gert did not play the detective. It's a detective who is obsessed with finding a child molester. Gert Fro played the child molester. Oh, God. Yep. Yeah. And uh, real creepy. And, and you can kind of almost see it in Goldfinger. He kind of has like a, a real creepy menace to him. Well, and all the chicks that he has hanging around with him are all these young, beautiful ladies, too. So, mm-hmm. uh, so he sp- apparently spoke very little English, and I guess his lines, he had to, like, phonetically sound out, and they were spoken very slowly, so they had to redub all of his lines. Mm-hmm. They, like, increased the speed by two as they did his lines. So if you notice that his, like, the words don't match up with his lips very much, it's because of that. Well, it's not his voice, either. 
No, it's right. Not. It's a different ca- person yeah. doing the voice as well. The only time he has his own voice heard is when Bond is hiding under the model. You can hear uh, from up above, yeah, and mm-hmm. that's his voice at that time. Yeah. Oh, uh, and then the only other thing to note is, uh, as far as the character of Auric Goldfinger, is in the original novels, he's the treasurer of Smirsh. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, because Smirsh was the name that they used for um, Spectre in the, mo- in, the, in the books. Yep, and Smirsh is based upon a real-world Russian counterintelligence organization that operated in the 40s. Smirsh is a portmanteau of Smirt Sh- uh, which translates to death to spies. And uh, apparently uh, 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 Ian Fleming, who was in the war, mm-hmm. knew about this. And uh, uh, it was an organization that Joseph Stalin created to prevent the spread of uh, German soldiers infiltrating the, the, the front. And so it was this like, you know, counter spy organization that was going to, you know, basically prevent, you know, like people from slipping in. Interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, but they got rid of the well, of course they got rid of Smirsh, but they got rid of the Spectre connection for Goldfinger, which is weird because Doctor No has it, from Russia with Love has it, Thunderball has it. They got rid of it for uh, Goldfinger, which is kind of weird, right? Yeah, it is very, it is kind of strange. Yeah, and, and I have noticed that because all the other Connery films have Spectre too, except Goldfinger. Mm-hmm. And that one, he was supposed to be the treasurer of well, Spectre or Smirsh, and yeah. as the case may be. You know, Goldfinger's first name is Auric, A-U-R-I-C. <laughs> A-U. <laughs> you, he got it. A-U is on the periodic table is gold. Also, uh, uh, Auric Goldfinger's uh, license plate is A-U-1. Mm-hmm. Oh, nice. Yep. I didn't catch that part. Very nice. We've got Honor Blackman. She is Pussy Galore, which when that name first came out, it was kind of controversial. They wanted to name it Kitty Galore, but uh, Blackman herself was like, no way. I'm going with Pussy. <laughs> And that's the way I just got to say that. It's awesome. But anyway, like she went with that. She was pretty famous at this time. She did a TV show, The Avengers, not like the Avengers that we think of the now. The British but, uh, yeah, show. The British yeah, Avengers. the British British spy show. Yeah, yeah. We also have Shirley Eaton. She's Jill Masterson. She's one of, uh, well, she's the first um, girlfriend of Goldfinger in the movie. She's the one that's famously covered in the gold paint. Uh, and they used her. That was one of the first scenes they shot in this movie. And they brought in all of the the reporters and all that in at the end of that scene to take pictures of her, and that was their huge publicity piece. Was this girl dressed up as gold? It's Goldfinger. Oh, that's why there's so many pictures. So Mm -hmm. many because they brought in everybody into that hotel room to go ahead and do that. So, and then MythBusters, which we referenced in uh, our Speed episode, they love Goldfinger as well, and they have done several things. Uh, involving this movie, but the only one I'm going to mention here is they painted themselves full of gold to see if the theory held true of what of skin suffocation. Yes. So Connery said or Bond says that she died from skin suffocation. That is not leave a patch at the base of the spine and you'll be all right. Yeah, that that myth was debunked, mm-hmm. and that is not true at all. No. So that will not kill you in in any way, shape, or form. Nope. Um, so nothing to worry about there. So you're if you want to cover yourself to dip with yourself gold, in paint. that's that's exactly right. I'm jumping into a pool of solid gold. There was even an urban myth that it killed her. That that e- Eaton herself was dead. So she had to like go out there and say, "No, no, I'm, I'm alive. <laughs> I'm, it's I'm me. Good. We're good. It, it, it's it's me." 
We got Harold Sakata as Odd Job. Ooh. He's got the sweet hat and everything, man. Nice. I have actually. Uh, I, I I'm a big fan of villains, and if you're a fan of Noobs and Dragons, oh. the other show I do, uh, which is a D and D show, <clears throat> you should listen to that. But uh, if you're a fan of that show, you'll know that I'm a fan of the villains. And Odd Job is another one that uh, I uh, took a liking to. He's to me, he's sort of the quintessential goon. Mm-hmm. He really like I feel like kind of set the standard and. Uh, uh, Oddjob was played, as you mentioned, by Harold Sakata, who was born Toshiyuki Sakata, uh, July 1st, 1920, in Hawaii. He won silver for the U.S. weightlifting team in 1948 Summer Olympics. That's awesome. The guy was a beast. Well, yeah, Bond fucking throws a gold brick at him, and it does nothing. <laughs> Just bounces I mean, it's probably him. not a real gold brick, well, but right. it made me feel like it was. It, uh, Yeah, he it, he doesn't speak in the movie. He's no. uh, He makes noises. <laughs> he grunts a lot. Yeah, he grunts, and uh, and it's a little on the racist side, mm-hmm. you know, but, uh, but uh, no, he's, like, really menacing, and it's all in how he carries himself. It's all in, like, the staring, uh, you know, at one point, like, when Bond, like, mouths off to him, he takes a golf ball and, like, crushes it with his bare hand and, like, turns it to dust, and it's just like, oh, man, I don't want to know what he's going to do to Bond later. Yeah. And he beats the heck out of him. He sure does. Like, he beats the crap <laughs> out of Bond really in this does. movie. Did you guys ever see the uh, James Bond Jr. cartoon? Oh, God, it was so bad. It was terrible. I never had. Odd job was in it, and they had him dressed in an Adidas tracksuit. So and he bad. had he had one of the uh, Run DMC uh, hats on. <laughs> oh, it was so bad. It was awful. You know, the first scene that they filmed with Odd Job is when he like karate chops Bond when he's in the fridge at the hotel room, mm-hmm. and that was his first real time really acting. And he actually Connery says in one of the commentaries like that hits him hard and literally knocks Connery down. <laughs> he had a massive bruise on his shoulder <laughs> because of that hit. Sakata was cool, man. He was huge. He ended up actually kind of getting into acting. He was a wrestler for a while. A really interesting guy. Uh, he ended up uh, passing away of, uh, I think it was liver cancer some years ago. But uh, yeah, he's he's definitely worth looking into. He's uh, He was pretty cool. I uh, Also, I really appreciate the fact that like he ices a majority of the Bond girls in this. Mm-hmm. He uh, gets uh, yeah, he uh, Jill Masterson painted in gold. He uses the hat on uh, uh, the... Tilly. Tilly. Yep. <laughs> Another plug for noobs Another there. plug for noobs <laughs> and dragons. Sorry, Tilly, you're dead. Uh, Hit with a hat. That, that's how you're going to try and kill her in the actual D&D uh, in, in noobs and dragons. That is right? totally how you should do it. I, I'm always trying to kill <laughs> Tilly. I'm always trying to kill them all. It's just a matter of time. Don't worry. But anywho, uh, the uh, but no, yeah, he odd job is really great. He's really scary, and uh, yeah, he uh, he ends up actually in the uh, the climax in the movie when he uh, is electrocuted. Mm-hmm. He actually legitimately burned himself in that scene because he wouldn't let go until the director yelled "cut." Wow. Sure did. Yep, he got bad burns, I guess, on his hand. You could say that was shocking, positively shocking. Were you Bond from the opening of this movie? I sure am. (laughs) Because Bond legitimately says that same thing. I know. Drops a... What a a crude way to kill someone, by the way. He throws a a plugged-in fan into a bathtub. Why didn't he kill the girl? She already got beat over the back with the club. (laughs) What else did you want Bond to do with the chick? She set him up. Bond Bond doesn't kill women. He's just horribly sexist to them. All right, fair enough. We got we got two more actors we gotta get to real quick and then we'll we'll get through the synopsis briefly. So we've got uh Sack, Sick, Linder is our Felix Leiter. And the only reason why I want to bring this up 
is because Felix Leiter is one of those running jokes throughout the Bond series because it's someone different every single time. So not every time, but not times. every time. You're a right. Lot, a two lot of other, them. There's only two other occurrences that Felix Leiter repeats. Anyone know it? Oh. Uh, it's from uh, it's uh, uh, Jeffrey Wright in Jeffrey uh, Wright in the new ones. Yep, and um, oh, I'd be really impressed if we knew the other one. I, um, I don't know. I'm not very good with actor names. I can't think of his name. It isn't the uh, the two Dalton films, is it? Mm-hmm. Dalton's in one of them. Yeah, he he does one with Moore and Dalton. Yeah, it's, really. It, it's mm-hmm. uh, it's um, the Living Daylights and um, no, um, it's License to Kill. License not to Living Kill. Daylights. They they skipped. They because skip- Leiter gets attacked in License to Kill by the Shark. Yeah, he oh, is in right, it. Right, License right. to Kill. Yep. And then, uh, and then it's the one after that. It's uh, no, no, it's it'd be. Oh, it's Live and Let Die. It is Live and Let Die. Oh, I can't think of the actor's name now. It's David Hedison. Yes. So he's the one that does two. So the original Felix from Dr. No, because Felix Leiter is not in From Russia with Love, he wanted way too much money to play Felix again. And the producer's like, yeah, it's not going to happen. So they decided to put an older Felix Leiter in. And then from then on, it was always a different person with those two exceptions. So, and that's always kind of been the running joke. Which for a long time, Felix Letter, Felix wasn't in any of the Bronson movies. They used that other CIA guy. Who? Brosnan. Oh yeah, they used the the hillbilly colonel, colonel guy. Yeah, what's yeah. his name? I don't remember yeah. now. Well, it's Jordan Baker. Yeah. Right. I'm trying to think of his character name though. I can't remember. Uh, oh, you almost that, had it. That Blake. Um, that was like Wade. It, Wade, yeah, it's Wade. Yeah, he's a CIA but, guy. Yo, yeah, but is it that is his last Wade. name or his first name? I have no idea. It doesn't matter. It, it doesn't, doesn't matter. at this point. <laughs> it's and, weird how he was a villain in one of the previous movies, though. Which one? He was uh, with. Um, it was a, it was a Dalton movie. The one where they're oh, selling I'm, heroin to you're right, get license to kill. License yep. to kill. Yeah. Yep. 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 Wow. No, 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 no. It's not License to Kill. It's Living Daylights. And you're right. He's another military guy yeah. in that movie with the, yeah, when it's going off. He's the a corrupt airplane. general. You're right. Oh, you are right. Oh, I kind of remember that. It's and been a while it, since I've yeah. seen that one. And then you it comes right. back as uh, Wade. Yep. All right. And then our final one I got here is, is Desmond Llewellyn or Llewellyn. I always say it right. Llewellyn. It's Jack Wade. Sorry. Jack oh, Jack Wade. Wade. Uh, Llewellyn is how I always pronounce it, but I'm, That's I might pronounce. be getting it wrong. I have no idea. I really like him. He's Q Branch, and he's been in more Bond movies than anyone else. He did 19 of them. This is his second appearance. He wasn't in uh, Dr. No. Oh, he started right, off yeah. from Russia with Love. Um, Hamilton wanted to change Q a little bit for, for Goldfinger. M- wanted to make him a little bit more smug to Bond. And I love the, the banter that two of them have when they are at MI6 headquarters going over uh, the gadgets and everything. Mm-hmm. so It's a great running kind of shtick throughout the rest of the films where Q is just really, really condescending to Bond, and Bond is really just sort of flippant and just sort of like, oh, what's this doing? Like willing to like just do stupid stuff just to annoy him. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we're running pretty deep into our episode here, so I'm going to shorten our synopsis here. I mean, Goldfinger is a fantastic movie. I, I highly recommend, if you have not seen I this couldn't movie, recommend it enough. Like, you need to, to totally watch this now. And as far as the Bond films go, this plot is relatively straightforward. There's really yes. not a lot of in and outs to it. It's, I mean, ultimately, it comes down to Goldfinger has a lot of gold. He wants to increase the value of his gold, so he's going to break into Fort Knox, blow, uh, fire off a dirty bomb to uh, irradiate all of the U.S. gold supply, uh-huh. thus driving the cost of his gold way up. Yep. That's ultimately what the whole movie is about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, and and just through that, it's Bond trying to follow him along the way. You know, Hamilton also says that this was a movie with Bond that he wanted to kind of feel like Bond was the smaller guy, the one kind of getting beat up on, the one that did not have one step ahead. Like oh, yeah, no. the other movies. <laughs> he's a prisoner for most of the movie. Right? I mean, he's stranded in that damn barn cellar for a long time. <laughs> and and like you mentioned, Craig, right? Like, like Odd Jobs has his number several times in this film. And oh, ultimately, yeah. he doesn't even figure into the, the, the movie, the, the, the resolution of the movie in any way. Because when uh, he tries to alert his 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 uh, the CIA yeah. contacts doesn't work and it doesn't work. Eventually, it <laughs> yeah. turns out Pussy Galore turns uh, Goldfinger in. But I mean, is it was it Bond's sexiness that lures Pussy Galore into finally seeing I, the right way? No, I, I think we're going to bring the same point oh. up. She says no an awful lot. She does. Well, not only that, but in the movie <laughs> it's itself, awkward. in the movie itself, she says that. Um, Basically, Bond is not her type, mm-hmm. insinuating that she's a lesbian. Well, that leads I to the- I never thought that. No, that 100%. leads to the book, though. Really? In the book, yeah. Pussy Galore is a lesbian. She is a part of the one of the mobs. She's not a part of the Flying Circus, okay. and she's a part of a group of lesbian gangsters. I don't remember this. It's mm-hmm. kind of yeah. sexist and wow. crappy. They don't, they don't full, full out say it. Um, but they they allude to the fact in the movie that she's a lesbian, and then for whatever reason, she still has sex. She still has sex with Bond because he forces himself. That's on her. isn't I, that and, just the the worst power fantasy it, though? It is, <laughs> and I was gonna say like for as much as I love Goldfinger, this scene rewatching it, especially in this era of what's going on right sure. now in Hollywood, this would not fly. In no, it's any kind of movie. upsetting. It is. It's, I mean, he yeah, sexually awkward. assaults her in the hay. In that scene. 100%. He tosses her around and then forces himself on her. Mm -hmm. And I get it. You know, it's a different era. It's a different way of thinking then. But it's still the same thing. Yeah. yeah, it's it's uh, I, I I think one of the, the moments at the start of the movie kind of encapsulates it and not necessarily when Bond uses that girl as a shield because that's Bond's character that he's willing to do anything for the mission. Like, mm-hmm. I get that. But when they when he tells the, the girl he's like flirting with at the pool at the beginning of the movie that he's like, it's man talk slaps her in the butt and they didn't just have Bond slap her in the butt. Oh yeah, he they, says boy talk, man talk, oh, man talk, man talk. But here's the worst part: they dub in the sound of a mm-hmm. psh, high pitched slap, and it's like, was that necessary? Like you needed to like have the like the the full on slap sound effect. Gotta for really the girl's drive that butt. point home. Like I, yeah. Ah, yeah, that's it's that's one of the the things that sort of like kind of dates this movie is that and the effects when Goldfinger dies. Absolutely, <laughs> we'll oh, yeah. get into that momentarily. <laughs> Uh, another, like, what makes this movie so iconic, and we haven't brought it up yet, maybe very briefly, is the vehicle. The Aston Martin DB5 mm-hmm. premieres in this movie. And I've already made a couple bold statements already today about this film, but I, I have to say, this is this has to be the first time in a movie that a car is a character in in a movie. Like, that car has such... A lasting impact as a as a prop as an item in a movie that besides maybe a lightsaber, I don't know what else is more iconic in a movie as a item than that Aston Martin DB5. It had machine guns in the front. It dropped oil slicks. It had spikes. Well, and not only that, I was reading in in particular in this movie. This is one of the first movies where products were released yep. 
specifically for this movie. The, uh, the Aston Martin DB5 was made for this movie and released by Aston Martin. Oh. The Bond merchandising explodes with Goldfinger. And there's so many movies today that, that base themselves and make a lot of money off of merchandising. You know? They did Again, uh, a Star toy Wars. of the Aston Martin, I think. I think when sure uh, yeah, Goldfinger came yeah. out, they ended I, up releasing, and that was and like the Christmas toy of I'm the year. I'm looking right now at my pop movies, James Bond 007 from Goldfinger right here. I had to bring it for this episode. <laughs> my grandfather used to collect... Um, replica replica car models. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were they were um, some of them. They were made of metal, and they were uh, very very finely detailed. Mm-hmm. One of them was a, a a Aston Martin DB5 James Bond edition. It had the bulletproof shield that popped up. <laughs> it has the machine guns that come out of the out of the the. The, like the front of the, the car front or whatever. Of it, yeah. The ejection, sh- ejection seat. It's got all of it. It even had the ejection seat? It did, and it worked, too. Oh, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. That's I, really I, I cool. I should have brought it. I didn't think it, about it. It's it's so awesome. Toys, games, action figures, car games, slot cars, clothes, all of this comes from Goldfinger and this and this movie here. So, I mean, the, the car mm-hmm. is such a big deal. There's another car in this movie as well that Tilly drives. Oh, Did you yeah. catch what that car is? I, I'm not very good with vehicles, so I, I don't know what it is. LPJ, do you know? Do you know your car history? Uh, was, it, uh, was it the Mustang? It was the Mustang. Do you know the story about that Mustang? Oh, no. What? Oh, I do, but I can't remember it now. Go. It is the production vehicle for the Mustang for the very first time ever. That's the really? first time the Mustang was ever seen in a movie or otherwise uh, the movie's done. The movie comes out in September and October of '64. Mm-hmm. The Mustang is released at the New York's World Fair that April, and that's the first time the world sees the Mustang. Really, first time ever. That's cool. And so after the World Fair, the only other time that Mustang is ever seen is in Goldfinger, and it is you know 1965 is when the first massly, uh, mass-produced Mustang comes out. So that car is so ion- is so iconic, um, just in, in history. And, and Bond is the first one to really show it off. And it looks gorgeous. <laughs> and then he uh, smashes up the side of it with his uh, smashes up the, the side spike of it. thing that comes mm-hmm. out the side. He sure does. <laughs> oh, take that, Mustang. And, and so, like again, like Goldfinger, this movie brings the exotic cars into movies. I mean, think of all different franchises throughout history that cars are such a big piece of it. Whether it's the DeLorean and Back to the Future or Fast and Furious and all that kind of stuff. I feel like this movie was the beginning of having car- Bullet, you know, with um, Steve McQueen. You can go on and on and on. This mm-hmm. movie started that car craze to have cool stuff in movies. I agree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely a, awesome. There's a particular scene in this movie that I think is, it sort of became like kind of like one of the most iconic Bond scenes of all time. And that's when Bond is strapped to a table. Oh, yeah. Love and a, and Orrit Goldfinger, who's a maniac, could have just shot him, would have been way faster, could have just shot Bond, but he straps him to a table, turns on a laser, and it slowly starts to raise up, and it's going to sever him in half. Very slowly, too. Very, very, very slowly. slowly. And Bond says, oh, well, he bickers with him for a bit, and he mm-hmm. says, do you expect me to talk, Goldfinger? And Oric laughs and says, no, Mr. Bond, I expect you to die. So good. It, it is great. It is great. 
I, I think that that scene is the scene that people, if someone had to say, what is James Bond? It's got to be the scene on the table. Everyone knows it. And what's crazy is... And it's been parodied is, so many times oh, yeah. in history, too. That is really the first time in a Bond film where you actually get the sense Bond thinks he's going to die there. Yeah. Like, you see it in his eyes. He doesn't think he's going to make it. Oh, yeah. I mean, he starts throwing everything at him. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, you know, his last he hope panics. is talking he about Operation Grand Slam. Panics. I appreciated that uh, uh, Sean Connery really plays that scene really well, where he's like really like he's sort of like you can almost like see him scrunched up on the table as if he's trying to bring his 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 dick <laughs> higher up on the table to try to like like get up one more second with it, just one more second with it, and uh, and then he throws out the just a phrase that he heard at random that Auric Goldfinger was talking about. And he's like, "Well, what about Operation Grand Slam?" Mm-hmm. And then all of the henchmen that Goldfinger are involved with with Operation Grand Slam start whispering to him. And Bond's just like like staring down at the laser, staring at them. And Goldfinger doesn't care. He's just like, whatever, like, you know, fine, we'll spare him, I guess. And this is another first time in movie history a laser is in a movie. Now, what's interesting about this, when they went to film the movie with the laser, Mm -hmm. it's light. So when the cameras went on and the lights went on, you couldn't see the laser. So the laser had to be added in post-production. So what they did mm-hmm. was the table is actually just a piece of wood. They already cut out the trace that it was going to be at, and there was a guy under the table with a blowtorch that was lighting it. <laughs> you could tell. And you too. can see the flame. Oh, yeah. You can see you the can flame tell. coming up from the yeah, bottom. Because there right. shouldn't be a flame coming from a laser, I don't believe. No, it's so. it was burning wood. I don't know wood, enough about yeah. lasers, well, I guess. But no, I but it's gold. Right. It's That's not supposed thing. to yeah, be wood. It would just melt. It wouldn't burn. Yeah. Yeah. So first time I ever see a laser as well. Mm-hmm. The, the final thing that I have here about the iconic part of Bond before I start to wrap things up a little bit is it's got to be the suit. That suit is so famous in the world of men's clothing and whatever it is. It is a Anthony Sinclair gray vest that he has on. And he wears it after he's been captured, after he gets shot from the laser scene. Um and you know he wants to clean himself up while he's oh, on yeah, the plane, yeah. and he puts on that suit, and that suit made fashion a thing for James Bond movies. Did you know there is a website called JamesBondLifestyle.com? I sure did. You can look up every single individual film, and they will tell you exactly what everybody's wearing really? in that film and how to get those items. So I could go on there right now. Let's say I wanted to get Daniel Craig's sunglasses from whichever movie. I could go on jamesbondlifestyle.com, select the movie, select the sunglasses, place the order. Can yeah. I can, can I can I get Odd Jobs hat? I'm fairly certain you can, or at least a replica of it. Yeah. I don't want a replica. I want a bladed hat. <laughs> well, we'll see what we can do. <laughs> Thank you. The Anthony Sinclair vest, I've looked it up on the site. It's $2500. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, nothing's cheap. Oh, oh. Nothing's cheap. On Yikes. But you know what? I did buy my first gray suit a few years ago, and all I thought to myself was, I'm fucking Bond and Goldfinger right now. I love it. I have to wear it at every wedding, and you can ask my wife. When I put that thing on, I start going James Bond on her. I'm like, pussy, let's get this going. I I love it. I absolutely love it. And, you know, whether it comes from the watch with Rolex and just everything else with Bond when it comes to that attire, that's what we are seeing here. All right? So... I, man, one last thing I have here. Mm-hmm. This movie took, it cost $3 million to make. Which is a lot at the time. Then. Yeah. It Seems was more now. than the first two movies combined. Dr. No 
Do you know how much it cost to do Doctor No? I think it was only like what two hundred fifty thousand. Thirteen dollars. No, it was six hundred grand. <laughs> oh, okay. But still, I mean, that's, that's like, cheap. That's nothing, right? They earned that three million dollars in two weeks, and in the end, I believe the movie ended up making like twenty-eight million dollars. I was going to say someone twenty, someone twenty million. We're talking nineteen sixties here, and a movie that was three million to make made twenty-eight million. And imagine how much it's made now. They had a reissue in 1966. Again, this is an era of no home videos either. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to watch it again, you're going to the movie theater. Oh, so yeah. they actually they doubled it up in 1966 with Dr. No, and it also made a killing then when that happened. So, I mean, this movie was just massive. I, it just it, it, It's what allowed the Bond movies to start and get more and more dramatic with the things that they were doing, the sites and locations that they were going to start to film at. I mean, this movie did it. it. It did it for everything. I think that one of the big drawing points for America bringing in so much money was that it took place in America. A mm-hmm. good chunk of the movie takes place in Kentucky. And there's even a scene where you can uh, uh, see uh, the the sign for Kentucky Fried Chicken before it became KFC in yeah, the background. Yeah, you can. It's, uh, it's funny just because like when you uh, like when you pan through the shots of like the, the city that they're in, uh, in the, the scenes when they're in Kentucky – when I was a kid, I would go down south to visit my family in Kentucky. And so for some reason, this movie always makes me think of like traveling down south and like, you know, visiting my family in Kentucky and stuff. I mean, they didn't, you know, obviously they weren't like around the block from Fort Knox, but, you know, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Craig, you have truly shown me your love and infatuation with Bond here. So I've got the pop quiz for you right oh, now. Oh, man. Pop See if you can quiz, do hot shot. There's only a couple other movies uh-huh. that Bond is in America. Do you think you'd be able to do it? Oh, let's see. I uh, live and let uh, live and let die. Yep, because he's in uh, New Orleans. Correct. Uh, let's see. Uh, what? Uh, when else is he in America? Uh, there's do you five have a, more. There's five more. Mm-hmm. Oh, I don't. I don't know if I'm going to get them all. Uh, let's see. Uh, and we're talking uh, like. Uh, not necessarily where they filmed, but like you know the he's like, at, in the movie. He's in the in movie that spot. Okay, yep. uh, let's see. I don't know if I can think of. Uh, I got one. Oh yeah, um, it's yeah, help uh, me out, uh, It's um, it's a Dalton one. He's mm-hmm. in Vegas. Um, no, nope. Connery's in Vegas. Oh, diamonds are forever. Diamonds are forever. Are forever. Yeah. Well, what's license the, what's... to kill is another. License to kill is another. He's yeah. in Miami. Oh, that was Miami. Okay. Yep, license to kill. He's there. There's another uh, one you're missing. Where he's in Miami, a big one. Oh, I uh, James Bond will return after Goldfinger in Thunderball. Oh, Thunderball. Thunderball. Yep. And arguably he's in Miami in the beginning of Goldfinger as well. Yes. Mm-hmm. I mean it's the same movie he, so it doesn't it, count, but It's it's actually actually it's it's doubles in Miami. They actually filmed the pool scene on at Pinewood Studios in London. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's right. They did cuz you yeah. uh, you could see the like the background. It doesn't uh-huh. like, they're not actually there. You're right. I forgot about that. They didn't film it there, but the the, the you, you characters got, are in Miami. You got two more. One one will be hard, okay. but the other one you should get. All right, I. Uh, what are we missing? I. Uh, I can give you era. You give me an era. More. Roger Moore. Uh, <laughs> what uh, what else? Uh, oh, um, no, we already said live and let die. You did. Um, yeah, we said live and let die. I. Uh, not. Moonraker. Right. Moonraker. Where is he in Moonraker? The Chateau 
with uh, Drax is in California. Oh, that's right. And the other one is California, too. The other one is California. Oh, if you don't kill. If you oh, if you don't kill, kill. right. The gold yeah, I just I, I just cheated, but... Yeah, yeah, that's all right. All right, are we ready to rate this guy? Let's get these machine guns. All right, we have had a lot of fun with Goldfinger today. Craig or LPJ, who wants to go first on your rating? Oh, I'll LPJ, go first. Yeah. I'll go first this time. Um, I would say, now, this is not, in my opinion, mm-hmm. the best Bond movie. But it is by far the most quintessential Bond movie, and I would say the most important Bond movie. And I fucking enjoyed the movie a lot. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to rate this a solid four. Um, because... My blood pressure is rising. I can't rate it a five only because I think Casino Royale is a better movie, and I think and I think ultimately um, From Russia with Love is the better movie. But as far as my enjoyment level goes, as far as an entry into Bond, you can't get better than Goldfinger. It is the prototype for really every other trope in Bond. It comes from this movie, so I will rate it a very solid four. Okay, I. I, I would agree. This is this is not a perfect film. It has flaws. You know, there there are some flaws. You know, there's some you know like slightly awkward moments. There's a, a few things that are a little like kind of weird. Like there, you know, there, it's it's kind of interesting that Bond is uh, a prisoner throughout most of the film, but it also sort of detracts from Bond that he's a prisoner through most of the film. He's not being cool. He's sort of like at the whim of the villains. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing, I really love villains. I rate this movie a five. It is my favorite Bond movie of all time. It is not the best Bond movie by any means. I, w- I would certainly say that, but it is my favorite Bond movie. Craig, I think you nailed it for me, too. I, I mean, it's it's not the best Bond movie, but it is the most important Bond movie. In fact, I'm going to make an argument here. Mm-hmm. This may be the the action movie. Like, this may have started... No, hear me out. Goldfinger may have started the craze in Hollywood for action movies. I, I've done some research here. If you go back pre-1964, movies are not dealing with this kind of stuff. It is not action-based. It's drama. There's a little bit of comedy. And that's really about it. This is a movie that is bringing... You know, maybe you can argue with a couple Hitchcock movies, have a little bit of action in there. But for you having a villain and a good guy and and a girl and all the template that you see action movies in, this this starts it. And and again, Dr. No and and From Russia With Love aren't as big. But, I mean, this movie sets the stage for action movies throughout action movie history. It was a huge success. Massive success. It, it sets that recipe for how an action movie should be. LPJ's got that puzzled look because he's trying to make an argument against me. I don't know if you can. No, I, I there are fantastic to... action movies that have changed the genre. No, I agree. But I think this one sets it up. I think it creates the action movie genre. No, it's a very interesting point. Like, I, I don't. Be- I mean, look at the back time, then, there weren't a lot of action that's what movies. I'm, that's what, that's what my, that, I agree with yeah. you because it, there really wasn't. And, and sure, this isn't an action movie in the truest sense of the word. It is. It is truly truly an espionage film, but it definitely has the elements of a modern action film within it. And you could certainly see where other action films that, 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 that came after it certainly drew from this. So I think your point is, is very well made. I don't, I mean, I can't think of anything off the top of my head that, that directly 
contradicts it. The only thing I would think to say is I, I don't know that this is necessarily the first, but I think this is probably one of the more successful ones because you okay. know you do have Doctor No, you do have from mm-hmm. Rush with Love, but you're absolutely right. They weren't as big a box box office hits, and so I if I had to wager a guess, and this is me just pulling it right off the top of my head. I mean, let's face it. If Hollywood looked at that and they said, $28 million, we can make $28 million. Like, we can do that. Like, why can't we do that? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I would, if I had to wager a guess, Hollywood probably saw that and was like, what, does England think they're like the big shots I kept? We're Hollywood. And likely, you know, that was sort of like a, a sort of a message like, hey, this is what we can be doing. This is what we should be doing. We can do it bigger. When did the sting come out? 1964, right? Goldfinger came out no, in 64. The Sting. Oh, the, the sting. sting was oh. 70s. Sting was the 70s? Yeah, I feel like it was early 70s. I, in the end, this isn't on my Mount Rushmore of movies. Um, LPJ had RoboCop uh, earlier. I, this is on my Mount Rushmore, without a doubt. Um, I, I am so in love with James Bond. It has meant so much to, you know, me and, and loving movies and, and enjoying them mm-hmm. and wanting to be on this podcast and everything else. Um, and I think Goldfinger really is what, what brought so many people to, to start to love action movies and go to the movies and have blockbusters in the summertime and all of these other things. So I am giving this the full five machine gun rating here. I think I need to revisit this. Hold on. Well, we're running pretty late already on this podcast. <laughs> it's a so, fucking podcast. We I do whatever the fuck we want. You're right. I mean, we're not running too much over. I, I mean, I tried my best too. There's a lot of shit that I did not talk about. That there's a, there's no, and, a lot I'd love to go into, right? but there's just not enough hours in the day. Isn't. I know, but I want to really bring this back because I, I, I think you're right on this. I know I'm right on this. Like as far as <laughs> don't you? Think no, I, I think I think I, like the the importance of this film I think is greater than than I necessarily saw right away. Yeah. Well, You've got, I, I, it's got it all. If, if it, I, I will, you know, I am going to go up and say four and a half. I can't go five only because there are other Bond movies that I like better than it and my personal rating system. But I, but I, that doesn't necessarily mean that it m- wouldn't be on my Mount Rushmore because of its. Which is fine. Yeah, no, it's fine. Oh yeah, no, I could totally see that, and I, I think the the. The big thing is the fact that it was such a financial success. I mean, maybe it wouldn't have been so influential if a few people watched it and then it faded into obscurity. And there were like it was only me and Sphinx now being like, oh, my God, you guys need to see this movie that only we know about. You know, everyone Mm -hmm. knows it. There are so many sort of like shticks and, and, you know, tropes and stuff that started with this movie and it not even just. You know, didn't just carry on in Bond films; it just carried on through all of cinema. Yeah, it just it creates that formula. I agree. No, you're, you're absolutely right. All right, so we do have to kind of put a button on this. We do. So we got a five from you. We got a five from you. I'll rate it a four and a half. I well, say you. You're pointing at us, but this is a podcast, so you say we've got a five from you. the two of you. <laughs> we've got a four and a half from me. I'd say uh-huh. that rate's pretty high. I would say that's the highest rate of film we've done as of as of right now. Absolutely. All right. Well, uh, speaking of things that are highly rated, check out GameZillaMedia.com. All right, GameZillaMedia.com. You can learn about the stuff that we do. Uh, you can learn about uh, our Twitter and our Instagram at mm-hmm. Last Action Pcast. You can uh, find us on Facebook at Last, Last Action, Action podcast. podcast. You can learn about Craig's stuff. Yeah. Uh, the Noobs and Dragons podcast, which I am a very, very large, very, very big fan of. Glad, you, glad you're liking it. As am I. Sphinx also a big oh, that's fan awesome. of it. On the edge of my seat. I love it. <laughs> that's we enjoy great. It. I'm just waiting for you to do something truly horrible to Alistair. 
I, needs to happen soon. Something, hey, something really horrific. I'm always cooking up something. Don't you guys worry. Oh, awesome. I can help. I, I'm hoping for some kind of some kind of of strange aberration that has uh, bladed hats. I'm hoping for I, at, at this point, since we, we have you on here, I'm I need to to have a Bond reference that maybe others might not get, but I want I want to somehow. I'll, you I'll see what I can do in there. I'll, right. I'll see what I can do. <laughs> I, uh, I I I I'm always coming up with uh, different ideas on the show, and and for the listeners of Last Action Podcast who aren't as familiar with me, Noobs and Dragons is a show where I run a Dungeons and Dragons campaign, uh, and so the Gamezilla Media crew, uh, along with uh, my partner Chops, who's also on the Legend of Retro with me, uh, I. DM or Dungeon Master a, a Dungeons and Dragons game for them. It's a lot of fun. I want to play Dungeons and Dragons now. Never, never did before. I would like to see you die in Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I would like to die in Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> I'd like to kill you in Dungeons and Dragons. All right, it sounds We're like a agreement. date. Let's fix time. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. Well, you can also check out Craig's other uh, other program, his long plays, which I enjoy those quite a bit as well. Oh, good. I'm glad, I'm glad you like them. I, I try to throw in weird voices and a lot of voices that you might even hear on the Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Yes, yeah, some of them are quite familiar. <laughs> mm-hmm. awesome. I enjoy those. Oh, good, good. You can also check out uh, Craig's other other podcast, <laughs> The Legend of Retro. It's uh. It's it's so kind of you to bring up. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, myself, Chops, and our friend Xander talk about old video games, including GoldenEye, Great 007 game. for Nintendo mm-hmm. 64. I wish there was a Goldfinger game that I could bring up, but unfortunately, I don't think they ever made a. No, Goldfinger they video had game. a um, they had a they when they re released Goldfinger or uh, GoldenEye, when they redid it, they had the option to do the different uh, bonds. Oh yeah, you can play as different bonds, but yeah. it's not like there's a game to vote. Well, then again, I guess the game would just be you in a prison cell for most of the <laughs> you okay. you in a prison cell watching everybody else be the hero. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh-huh. Pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and we also got uh, Gamezilla podcast, Gamezilla Alpha. Mm-hmm. Um, check us out on Patreon. Please donate on Patreon. Uh, give us some money. Yeah, absolutely. We'll there's like a lot it. of fun perks that you uh, get through uh, Patreon. Uh, you know, I'm I'm sure the uh, potentially even the Last Action Podcast. I was going to say LPJ and I are working on some we're good cooking perks. Up, yeah, so we're cooking up something. Coming very nice. soon. Yep, Chops is helping us out with that, and I do have to thank Chops. Uh, he helped us put this together. This whole podcast. He's kind of helped us get things off the ground. So I do have to thank him. We do give him a hard time, but we do yep. love the man. And we are we are a bit of a nightmare to deal with on a daily basis so we do appreciate his help quite a bit i can't wait to kill him in noobs and dragons <laughs> you're welcome <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> maybe we should just go on, on that note that was I pretty solid right there. all right well in that case this, this episode of last action podcast has been terminated but we'll be back blah, blah.